Hi, welcome back to The Cake with Ian and Jane. It's called The Cake because there is a cake for everyone. Whether it's walnut, chocolate, fruit or red velvet, cake is definitely something that unites us here at Salisbury District Hospital. And thanks so much for joining us again. In a moment, we'll introduce the amazing guests we have lined up for this episode. But before we get into that, we should probably introduce ourselves again. So I'm Jane Shepherd. I'm one of the divisional heads of nursing here at Salisbury. And I'm Ian Crowley. I'm the Deputy Chief People Officer at Salisbury. But for the podcast here, I'm Joe. <laughs> and joining us on this episode, we have our Associate Director of Communications, Dave Roberts, and Kev Lawrence, who is a volunteer presenter here at Radio Oddstock. But as we know, people are far more than their job title. So let's start by asking you, Kev, what is one thing that people might not know about you? So I volunteer at another radio station, which is Castledown FM. It's our sister station here for Radio Oddstock for many, many years. And on a Wednesday night, I used to do a show where I'd interview um, sort of uh, pop stars, basically, of the past. I remember one night, uh, I had a track on, Tina Turner, Steamy Windows, and I was getting my next guest lined up on the telephone, basically, and it was Jazzy B of Soul to Soul, the 90s group Soul to Soul. And um, he'd actually come out of a, a fundraiser that particular night to come and speak to me, basically, on the phone. He was just such a lovely, genuine guy, basically. I, I really enjoyed interviewing him. It was a brilliant interview, yeah. Fantastic. And Dave, how's about you? What's, can you tell us something that nobody knows about you? One of the things that I'm most proud of that I, I actually did, actually. So I was uh, the person responsible for running the campaign to introduce the human papillomavirus vaccination uh, for oh, wow. um, protecting young women against yeah. the causes of cervical cancer. I was the director responsible for that, working between the pharmaceutical industry and the uh, patient charities and working with government to make that happen. And it ended up happening probably a year earlier than expected. And we worked with what were then fairly new powers for the devolved governments in Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. And in Scotland, they introduced it with a wider cohort, a more generous cohort um, of people to be vaccinated. So they had a wider protection in Scotland than they did in England. So it was kind of one of those campaigns where you go like, yeah, I, I kind of did that. And I know that somewhere in the future, there will be a thousand women alive who may not have been alive if we hadn't run that campaign as well as we had done. It's amazing. Something you should definitely be proud of. So today's topic is talking to our amazing guests about what they do and why they do it. So if I start with yourself, Kev, can you remember what you wanted to do when you were growing up? Yeah, I think it's, it's always been a teacher, basically. So, um, yeah, I've always liked um, the idea of uh, 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 teaching and in, in infants as well, little ones, basically. That's what I've always been interested in. Uh, it took a while to get there, uh, about five years, basically. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, got there, got there in the end. So, yeah. And why teaching? I think it's just working with kids, basically, um, seeing them smile, seeing them grow, seeing them develop and, and what have you. And that's happened over the last 25 years sort of doing it really so um so yeah what's the most enjoyable part of teaching what what age did you teach my my main forty is really is reception so the the, the first year basically at, at school I've done quite a lot of year one as well and year two uh, a bit of juniors as I said just seeing them grow seeing them learn to read even you know write but basic math skills as well also developing as a child and, and, and making relationships with others uh, good manners and, and what have you yeah it's yeah it's, it's, it's a rewarding job basically yeah yeah I guess we missed the part there didn't we where you had this long-term vision to be a teacher 
and then you became one. Did you go through the normal route of going, getting a university degree and getting qualified to be a teacher and then moving in, or was it a different route? Well, I, I left school, I'm going to be honest with you, with one GCSE, and that was pottery, and I think they felt sorry for me, to be honest with you. <laughs> all the others were Ds, Es and Fs, I'll be honest with you. So I did, for, first of all, I, did the, um, I went to college in Hereford. It was a technical college, and I did a, a caring sort of skills course for a year and one of my placements was in a primary school which I really enjoyed and then I had an interview with this lovely lady called Sarah Law she used to drive a mini a blue mini I remember it now and she was in charge of the YTS scheme I don't know if you're, you're too young yeah, to remember no. that um, so I did a, they changed it to YT so I did the second year YT scheme and this was in a in a dyslexic school private school and I did everything cleaned was a TA drove the minibus at the weekends took them all over the place and what have you and basically this teacher who was a housemaster at the time had said um you need to be a teacher and I said well I've got I've got no qualifications he said well my friend's just done a, a course um at Ambleside the Lake District Charlotte Mason Teacher Training College I can see you going there so I rang his friend up and I got in, I did an access course basically for a year, got my GCSEs in maths and English, and then um, did four years at Charlotte Mason Teacher Training College, and uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing, yeah, loved it, absolutely loved it, miss it, miss it still, miss all the people as well, but yeah, it was brilliant, brilliant time. That's an amazing amount of perseverance to go yeah. and do something you really <laughs> wanted to do. Yeah, yeah it must just have kept been going, a, yeah. 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 And where did the interest with radio presenting come from then? So when I got my first job as a teacher, that was in um, the Medway town, so uh, Gillingham. And when I, was, when I was there, I just plucked up the courage to go um, to, up to the hospital, hospital uh, Medway, Medway Hospital, and uh, just go and knock on the door of the hospital radio there and say, look, I'm interested in becoming a, a volunteer. And that's what I did. I used to present out this guy called Keith on a Thursday and um, just absolutely loved it. Um, did all, all sorts of broadcasts and, and what have you. Then I came to Salisbury in 2000 and uh, one of my work colleagues at the time said, um, oh, I hear you did hospital radio in, in Medway, the Medway towns. Um, my dad does Radio Oldstock, Dave. He does uh, hospital radio at Salisbury. Would you be interested? They're always looking for presenters. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just started there in September 2000. So, um, so yeah, yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. And so, Dave, um, was it your burning ambition to be an Associate Director of Communications when you were at school? I can honestly say it wasn't. It was the furthest thing from my mind. My initial plan was absolutely to be a farmer. Really? That's what I was going to be. I come from a farming family. My grandfather's a farmer. And actually, what I really wanted to be was a rancher. I right. really wanted to be like a cowboy. I was going to say, a, Kev yeah. a Kevin Costner. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a, a Kevin Costner-type character. I would have loved that. Um, with a big drifter coat, mooching about the plains, herding a few cattle. Um, that was this kind of like fantasy idea I had. And then the next great plan of mine was to uh, go and be a helicopter pilot in the Navy. Oh, yeah. And they kind of liked me as a helicopter pilot, but didn't like me as an officer. In the Navy, you have to eat with the right knife and fork and yep. things. So um, that didn't work out so well. So uh, I then ended up uh, working in the theatre business and um, uh, went to drama college and became a stage manager. And Farmer, 
to yeah. helicopter pilot to stage manager. Yeah, failed at the first two. The first two didn't happen. I know, but where do you go from <laughs> helicopter pilot to stage manager? What what inspired you to move in that direction? I was working as a waiter in the, um, not in a cocktail bar, but in a um, <laughs> uh, the Salford Playhouse restaurant. I got a job in the box office when I media. I left school, and so I was in that theatre gang. And uh, so I thought, oh, this is fun. This is th- 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 you had a lot of crack doing it. It was a it, it was a giggle. You worked together hard. You played hard, and they accepted me at drama college. So I was like, well, but might as well go then. You've said it's a lot of fun, and you love being part of a team. What what did you enjoy the most, though? If you had to say one thing. Yeah, well, I love the unpredictability of live performance. I love live performance. I, I really like theatre. I, I like big events. I mm-hmm. like things to go bang when they're supposed to. I love the drama of that. I also like the deeply emotional elements of live performance, how it impacts people. You can sit in a single room with one person on stage in a darkened room, you, them, and yeah. you can have a life-changing experience at times. Um, so I love being part of that. I, I just got a serious kick out of that and that liveness that by that every single night was slightly different you know I had to stop a performance once and tell the, the, the entire auditorium that they were going to have to go home oh wow yeah yeah they didn't they, they complained they rebelled <laughs> it was the very end of Manchurian Candidate where you find out who did it kind of thing and we yeah. weren't going to we weren't oh. going to perform the final 10 minutes <laughs> they wanted to know who did it yeah kind of thing yeah so yeah, but that could happen. And what was the most challenging part of that role? Being a stage manager, as it so often is with most um, so many jobs, people. Yeah. You know, you're the type of stage manager I was, and I went on to be a rigger and production manager in a slightly different space. But as a theatre stage manager, you're in charge, and you've got to be in charge. You've got to assert yourself all the time. And unfortunately, some people, other people think they're in charge, um, mm. and they're not. And I was quite young when I was very senior, and exerting that authority takes yeah you make mistakes you have to learn how to do it and you obviously make mistakes but yeah you have to um you have to hold your ground and that's quite hard i was gonna say are there any big named faces that you're willing to share that you worked with i work with like i mean honestly i work with so many it's it's it, it, it's 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 yeah. too many to list no honestly <laughs> the, the most fun ones uh that i worked with i suppose uh, as, a, as an amazing actor Still working today called Rufus Sewell. Me and Rufus were proper red wine drinking partners when we were young. Um, but I worked with Judy Dench. Oh, wow. Um, Ryan Williams, Michael Palin. <gasps> the, 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 there's a big, long list of people. I would love beautifully work with Jeremy Irons. So, yeah, there's, there's lots of people. Kev, you described to us your passion for teaching, the amount of time and effort it took you to get there and, and be qualified to be a teacher. You then alluded to the fact that you've broadened out into uh, into radio and you've been doing a brilliant service here at, at the hospital for quite some time. But I do understand you also do quite a few other things now as the teaching's gone to a bit of supply and taken a bit of a backseat. And I know you mentioned caring for your mum. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so um, basically when my, my dad died in 2006, so I've been looking after my mum since then really, but she she's got a lot worse she's mentally she's fine but physically can't do much at all really so uh, 2018 after being at my school for 18 years full-time I decided to sort of hand the towel in really uh, still contact with them and do a bit of supply there sometimes and uh, basically most most of my days really is just looking after my mum really and um, sort of caring for her yeah a little bit different to what I thought a 
be, I thought still be doing teaching, obviously, but I've still got a little hand in there. As I said, I do quite a bit of supply in lots of schools, and one of the schools is going to be coming up in a few weeks' time, hopefully do a little link with the children's ward. I've also had another school come up uh, from Harnham, just down the road. Harnham Infants have been up um, to do some DJing on, on, on the show, which has been great. They absolutely loved it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been great. Yeah. So are you yeah. spotting some replacements for when you eventually hang your mic that, Exactly, yeah, yeah. We're trying session to, planning. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think they just, just absolutely love it. And are, are there similarities between teaching in front of a class of young children and presenting on hospital radio? Do you know what? I'd rather be in front of 30 kids than um, interviewing one per- if I don't know them as well if I get really anxious you know I've done so many interviews uh, over the years and uh, yeah I do I still get you know a bit, bit nervous before especially if I don't know the, the, the person and what have you but I'd love it I love I love the radio yeah it's brilliant yeah so going back to you Dave and your stage management career and the fun that you had how did you move from that into the next stage of your career so part part two yes um part two was politics so i woke up one morning and realized that the conservative government of the time had been re-elected and i was appalled and horrified by that and i had done nothing i hadn't even voted in that election and uh, my complacency kind of struck home i had also become my trade union representative at the workplace so I was stage manager at Oxford Playhouse and uh, trade union rep. And uh, I'm surrounded by a crew that was made up of lots and lots of students from the um, Oxford Brooks and uh, the colleges in, in, in Oxford. And um, I kind of thought, wow, I really like this. I knew I wasn't going to stay working in day-to-day theatre forever because it burns you out. Yeah. Um, so I went to college. So I applied for Ruskin uh, College in Oxford, uh, which was a trade union-sponsored college, designed for people who hadn't done very well at first time around. I, I'd been a lousy, lousy student. Too much rugby and other kind of fun stuff rather than any academic um, work. Um, and they, they accepted me at Ruskin, so I handed in my notice at the theatre and went to college and absolutely endured my, my one-year course and so then converted to Southampton to do, finish it and turn it into a degree. And then suddenly I'm like out of university... Where do you work? I've been involved in politics. I've got myself elected as a local councillor. I've done all sorts of kind of strange stuff. And the Labour Party said to me, well, why don't you come and kind of work for us as a press officer? And that was a fixed-term contract. Came to an end. I had to get another job. Uh, I went to work for the health service for the first time, actually, then. I went to work for what was the old Wiltshire Health Service based out of Devizes. And while I was there, uh, a lobbying company that a very dear friend of mine, Paul Hannum, was running and Paul I.O., my entire career to actually uh, he died recently but he 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 was the reason I became a councillor he was the reason I got really got involved in the nitty-gritty of politics not just the theoretical side of it at university and uh, so Paul poached me out of the Wiltshire House Authority he did to go and be a London-based lobbyist that was yeah career too which kind of took me into some really interesting places like running the HPV campaign setting up my own company um, becoming an independent lobbyist myself, standing for office, stood for, for Westminster, up against Oliver Letwin, actually. We had a great time. He's a nice man. Uh, stood for the European Parliament as well. Um, was a spokesperson for the Remain campaign back in the referendum day, so that, that didn't go so well. But it had a whole kind of political kind of communications-based career, all from an awful lot of accidents. There was a load of accidents um, that happened on the way. 
It's, it's really interesting when you say accidents. Are you meaning that you, you, you feel you were fortunate that you fell into some of this or you... Yeah, really fortunate. I just fell into things. But I always, I personally always say that, that people don't just fall into things. They ha- obviously have a specific set of skills that are recognised by others. And that's why they're asked to go into that. Yeah, Would I mean, you not say that's true. In your I, case? I think there's some truth in that, and you have to have a willingness to say yes, yes. when the opportunity presents itself. Exactly. I took a gamble in, when I went back to university. My daughter, my oldest daughter, was born just weeks after I graduated. My wife's pictures of her at my graduation ceremony as a mature student. She's Aww. like the size of a ship. Um, uh, I bet she's pleased listening to that. <laughs> yeah, it's not her normal state. Um, uh, uh, but it was, it was a gamble, therefore. And you take those gambles. Yeah, I took those gambles. And uh, I said yes when people said, well, how about coming to do this strange and mysterious thing? I didn't really know what some of these things were. Come and be a lobbyist. What the hell is a lobbyist? I I genuinely had no idea. What were the highs and the lows of that period for you? The highs are easy. Winning. Yeah. Winning is um, addictive. I did a lot of Mm. Uh, by-elections. And we won all the ones I worked on. Winning a general election is is just an incredibly euphoric feeling. When I won my council seat, it was a by-election, first Labour councillor in Newby for 17 years. Wow. You know, it was like, there's a picture of still me, me on my toilet door like, <laughs> with my arms above my head. Kind of, it says, red flag flies again over Newbury. And I'm like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> I was then a lousy councillor. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> Kev, how did you sustain... 18 years of teaching's hard yeah what were the highs that kept you going through an 18 year teaching career and clearly there were enough because you're still doing what you can now yeah um i I think it was the the people that i work with the 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 staff that you know and some of them are still there now which is great and i'm still in contact with them and and i think seeing some of those youngsters have grown up now you know and they say because i i shouldn't have done this but sometimes some children didn't have breakfast and of course, we've still got this fruit scheme at the moment where um, every child in infant schools, reception year one, year two, get a free piece of fruit every day. So that still still happens. Quite a lot of the children didn't like the fruit. And some of them didn't have breakfast. They, you know, by lunchtime, they'd be absolutely starving. Mm-hmm. And food is, you know, for children, mm-hmm. they need it, you know, to, to, to learn, basically. So I used to take in crackers. And, um, and quite a lot of them, they had the residential many moons ago and um, the year sixes and they went away and they were saying about oh you, you can remember your teachers and they used to say some of them would say oh yeah I remember Mr Lawrence he was, he was, he was a cracker basically um, every day is different as well I'm sure it's the same with you David every day is different the same when I do the radio as well every programme every session I've done over the years has been really different it's never been the same so what's your favourite interview what's, what's the what's the interview that you'll look back on and think yeah I really enjoyed that it was good Oh gosh, there's been so many. Um, we went into a, an old people's home actually, took the children in because we were doing a bit of history. And there was this lady who was 103 actually, and she was just remarkable. You would not, she looked about 60, 70 oh, to be wow. honest with you, but she had all the marbles she was telling. It was all about telling the children all about Salisbury, telling mm-hmm. me with, with a microphone and what have you. I loved it. Stacy came in. I've had all the chief execs the time I've been here. And 
all the requests that you get, is there a most popular one that you end up playing a lot? I suppose in the early days, it was a lot of Cliff Richards. I've played that today, actually, because oh, wow. um, I've had a, a guest up today, Michael Mullins. So Michael Mullins, his dad, Paul Mullins, started off Radio Ostock 70 oh, wow. years ago. Paul wasn't with us long. He, he died of cancer. It was such a shame and what have you. And I think he'd be so proud to know that it's still going. Yeah. So uh, Michael came up today. He said at the end, he said, oh, you didn't play any Cliff. Because in his time, when he said he was here, he used to play a lot of Cliff. Cliff so I played one for him today. So, Dave, you mentioned the day that you, your job now. Part three. Part three. <laughs> so we've had attempted Kevin Costner wannabe on a ranch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Helicopter yeah. failed pilot. Yeah. Stage management politics and now now it's my third time working for the nhs you know it was another one of those funny quirks of fate so i'd finished working for the soldiers charity um on the friday night uh it'd been an interim contract fantastic absolutely adored the uh the year i spent with them and uh, so we'd obviously been out for a couple of uh, uh sherbets uh, a couple of shandies yeah on the on the friday night and i'm sat saturday morning a bit of a hangover, black coffee, bit of toast, you know, um, feeling sorry for myself on my kitchen table. And uh, my former next door neighbour, um, a lady called Jean Scrace, who was Associate Director for Education here, rung me up and said, have you finished with those soldier people? I said, yeah, I have. She said, well, would you like to come and um, join us uh, at the hospital? And I'd been Director of Communications for the Army's charity, the Soldiers' Charity. And um, she said, do you want to come and do sort of 12 weeks while we, while we look to fill in the role mm-hmm. permanently? So I said yes, and I expected to be here 12 weeks. But that was December 2019. And we all know what happened in the early part of 2020. And the pandemic hit. And um, there was no way I was... Well, one, there was no other work. (laughs) But there was no way I was leaving anyway. Um, You look for your tribe in life, I think. And uh, coming here, coming to the hospital, was you suddenly land in a place where you're going, this is my tribe. Mm -hmm. These are my people. You know, communications at a district hospital where, you know, uh, my children were both born, mm-hmm. my, my mother died, my brother died, my father died. They all died here, but births happened here as yeah. well. It is part of you. It's intrinsically part of you when you work in some, somewhere which is your local hospital. So what is an average day for Associate Director of <laughs> Communications? Because we all... Yeah. People that work in the hospital are very aware of the amazing stuff that the comms team do for the, the, the staff with all the awards that you've managed to put together, the families days, the thank you weeks, we get our bulletins. But that's just touching the surface. You do so much more. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those extraordinary things. People think that uh, communications teams are the bit that you see. So they, they always think they do loads and loads of media work, yeah. right? And we do do. We are very successful with the media bids at Salisbury. Um, but it's a very small part mm-hmm. of actually what we spend our time doing. We just have a, a culture that is very open and very friendly towards national media and local media. And therefore, we, we get um, respected for that and people like us. But it's actually a very small part of our work. It's the thinking behind it is the bit that takes up your time. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are we doing particular things, not what are we doing? The what is actually quite easy. I have a fantastically able team that do the what really, really easily. Um, uh, and they do it incredibly well, and yes. most of the time with a smile on their face. But what I do, leading the team, is trying to work out the why we're doing it and working with my my other colleagues, like like, like Ian here and, and others, to, to try and see 
what is the story we're telling about Salisbury Hospital? And we tell that story both internally to our, to us, our workforce, we tell it to our community, um, and we tell it to specific parts of our community. And what is our, the bit that we hold dear? Um, we have a responsibility to protect um, the NHS, to, to be honest about the NHS, uh, to develop it, um, uh, to, to, to rectify its problems if we can, but to hold that very treasured thing, that treasured institution in, in the United Kingdom, we're part of holding that and holding that carefully and not dropping it. And that's kind of what you wake up in the morning attempting to do. But that's why we're trying to reach out into our community more, which is why my role developed into community relations, is try and actually flex that anchor position of ours as the largest employer in the South Wiltshire um, and uh, one of the most important institutions in the in the in in the area, that we actually again we have a responsibility to help others beyond just fixing bones and mending people's mm-hmm. illness and delivering yeah. babies. You know we have a an, we have a duty beyond that, um, and that's kind of where the comms role has grown to. And um, and what are you most proud of since you've started this role? I'm most proud of being part of that team that dealt with. 2020 yeah. and 2021 that period of time where we worked together collectively as one hospital to try and find a way through yeah. that awful situation and, and kev what would you say you're most proud of with your, all your radio work i think making 70 years getting to 70 years just absolutely incredible and uh winning an award this year i mean we we got this email um from, from the hospital and didn't really know what to expect we thought because it, it's it's for staff you know yeah. we're, we're not staff we're, we're all volunteers you know so two of my colleagues went along didn't really know what to expect and it was it was a brilliant night absolutely fantastic night and all the the team here made them feel really 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 welcome and of course we we we've got joint winners basically with with, with, with another department here but yeah we've been recognized by, by the hospital so um yeah just amazing so Kev wasn't, wasn't just recognized they won the chairman I was gonna say uh, the chairs the, award yeah is what the, they won. The yeah, we, we didn't just win like the best runner up in the you, you know egg and spoon race you know yeah. you, you won the chairs award um which is, which is amazing. the you yeah. know, no. big award of the night yeah so. it is I just can't yeah we just cannot yeah. we're still like blinkered really it's like wow you know this is just, oh, just it's so, fantastic so great. amazingly well and it's just it's just me as i say it's a real team effort and all those people as well that have been through the station over the years you know and it sounds like the future of of the um the radio stations in good hands because you're already nurturing the younger yeah. generations <laughs> yeah. coming through so that's yeah. brilliant news. yeah and it, what's quite good as well um we've got uh, uh, our first proper really committee meeting we'll have a new chair um yeah new chair new president Somebody to look after the money, new, new treasurer and a new uh, secretary as well. So I cannot wait. It's going to be great because that really hasn't happened well before the pandemic, really. So, um, yeah, radio stock that, is going. That places. enthusiasm for a committee has got to be good going <laughs> yes. forward. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I've never heard such enthusiasm. Yeah. We are so excited. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really going places and I'm just so glad. And at this committee meeting, if they um, decide to serve some cakes... What would be the cake of choice for you? For me, yeah, um, I think it's got to be fruit, fruit okay. cake. Okay, yeah, yeah, because I always remember on a Sunday afternoon when I was a kid, especially when I was going to my auntie's place, nice. she always used to make us a fruit cake. And Dave, I've watched you eat lots of cake. But what's <laughs> your favourite? Yeah, so I, I go all over the place on this one because we've been talking about fruit cake there, 
and um, memories of youth. Mm. Um, I'm going to uh, barn brag. Yeah. With butter on it though. Like oh, a it's barn brag. Like a tea cake type. Oh, spongy type. oh yeah, yeah. What other people call it? Sauron, a bit like Sauron. Yeah, 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 I know what you but mean. Barn brag is what, that's what I used to call it. Anyway, you have it with butter on it in front of the fire when I was little on a Sunday evening. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going all retro. We're, I'm with you and your fruitcake. It's just inspired me. Not one of these fancy red velvets, which I do love. <laughs> <laughs> you like a lot. Yeah, I do. Yeah, okay. I could change it. But really, it's about toast. It would be not cake at all. It would be toast and butter. So that's, the, that's the real winner in my world. Is that your way of requesting freshly baked bread at the next podcast? Oh, well, podcast? yeah. No, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Make this the bread podcast. <laughs> There's no dough in it. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Cake and to our guests for taking time out to record. You've been amazing and you've absolutely shown that there's so much more than just the job title behind the two people we've had in the studio today. If you'd like to listen to other episodes of this podcast, they're available from all good podcast stockists. Right, Jane, fancy a slice? How are you then?